What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Devin the Bear, here to dissect and discuss what was UFC 272, along with Ultimate Fight Night 203 coming up this weekend, and uh, lots to discuss, lots to talk about. It was a exciting card. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not much to say about it because everything was just, uh, I don't think any underdog won this past card. Like, Nope. It was yeah. not the night of the underdogs. No. That no. is for sure. Yeah. It's funny because like, I had made a comment like earlier this year that, oh, well, you know, it's, I think it's the year of the underdog, man. We just saw, um, you know, Julian Opinion win. This and that. I've been, I've been wrong since I've said that. Yeah. Like, I don't think one, them. yeah, I only one underdog has won since I've said that, but it's cool. I'm still enjoying myself. So, um, couple guys, couple guys. We just really want to talk about their performances. They're guys like uh, Umar Nurmagomedov going in there and submitting a UFC veteran like Brian Keller. That's a big deal. Um, yeah. I mean, that's you don't really see Brian Keller get choked out like that. I mean, he has lost by submission before, but it's still something that um, I mean, we're big fans of him. We'll always watch him. But I mean, we saw another strong bantamweight contender on the prospect. I guess I would say. So go out there and look exactly like Khabib. <laughs> So many we had many Khabib and it's funny because we have Khabib and Hazmat, you know. So, and then we also have Islam. Yeah, it just gets even better from there. So, yeah. So um, on to another fight that I believe was was it the prelim headliner was the Jalen Turner versus Jamie Malarkey fight. Jalen Turner came out there looking really good. Uh, I was very impressed with them. I was a big I'm a big Jamie Malarkey fan. Um, but I knew that Jalen Turner was no joke. Uh, he's had somewhere around like 16, 17 fights, and 12 of those are finishes for him. Um, I think that this fight should put him in somewhere in the range of like, you're about to be a top 10 guy. Because Jamie Malarkey was a big deal. He was supposed to be the next big thing. And Jalen Turner went out there and put him put a hurting on him uh it was pretty good uh he went out there and was the striking had, had the advantage of the striking i'm at a loss of words apparently uh, it was so good uh everyone including myself thought jamie malarkey was going to have the advantage i think in the stand-up um he was just more experienced uh usually looked a little bit better in the past but the reach of jalen turner was something that malarkey was clearly not prepared for right. because Jalen Turner was so calm the whole time. His face just looked absolutely composed, even when he did get hurt, even when he got taken down. Um, he'd pop right back up and just go straight back to the jab. The jab was such a good weapon for him. Uh, he knows exactly how to use it. He knows how to use his range. He's 155 and at 6'3". Dude's giant. He's a huge, huge problem for the lightweight division. Um, and I, I definitely see him shooting through the ranks continuously you know when you bring him up though it reminds me of a good fight that might be made whenever this other prospect gets up there and i'm going to mispronounce his name but baja mendez oh that's it yeah. ignacio baja mendez yeah uh, and so i think that would be a is fun he fight yep he is yep he's a lightweight and he's a very big lightweight but that would be a fun fight to make in the future right now jalen turner's on the come up so you really don't want to have to put a, a guy who's kind of getting well recognized in baja mendez against jalen turner it's just too early of a think, fight to make let them turner... kind of get, yeah. Him. Yeah. But I mean, those guys would throw down, though, if they yeah, fought. They would. That would be such a fun fight. I'm a big fan of Baja Mendez. So yeah. I didn't realize he was lightweight. I'm blanking mm-hmm. on that. He's a very big lightweight. That's the thing, too. That's why people get so confused by it. Like, you see this guy, same exact size as Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner was also a former uh, welterweight as well. Yeah. And so uh, that's why you see him. He said he could make the cut, and then now he's bet down at 170, and he's looking good. I mean, sorry, at one light, lightweight now he's uh, and he's looking good at it. And we're enjoying him. And speaking of weight cuts, 
we have uh, Kevin Holland defeating Cowboy Oliveira by TKO. That was that was a fun fight though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I I had picked Cowboy. I I thought he was gonna get the win. I thought he's just like you know this is my division. I'm ready to go with this. Um, I really thought he was gonna go in there and mix things up, and Holland wouldn't be ready for it. Um, which kind of seemed like it could have been the case in the right. first round. In the first round, we saw a lot of Oliveira just being the technical striker, getting the better of Holland, getting the better of the exchanges. Um, when it went to the ground, it was very exciting, actually. It was, um, yeah. The sweeps, the trips, it was very it was very good. Uh, and then the second round, you know, real yeah. fast. Yeah, that's what Kevin, came Kevin, in there and got the finish. That's Kevin Holland does. landed, and then, yeah, he just swarmed on top of him. But it was a fun fight, though. I'm surprised that fight didn't get fired the night. Yeah, well, I think it's just kind of short. Just yeah. So I, I that's what I thought too. I was like, man, that or the Malarkey and Turner fight. Yeah. But they were a little short. Yeah. Second round. Uh, shout out. One of the things I was gonna point out though is I was, I was watching this video again today, and shout out to In the Pocket MMA for having this title. But it says uh, Kevin Holland fighting like he's in a high school bathroom. And if you like, you go back to like junior high and high school, and you saw people throw down. That is how Kevin Holland fights, and I think it's the best way to describe him. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's just one of the. I've talked to people about this fight, and one of the things they have to say is, you know, like Kevin Holland's footwork isn't that good. That's why he trips a lot, and this and that. But it's one of those things where I, I don't think Kevin Holland really cares. He just wants to fight. You know. I say that's true. Yeah. Except I think he's coming out of that finally yeah. because he went to his corner and they got onto him, mm-hmm. and he said, "I know, I know." And yeah. then he went out in the second round, and you didn't see those mistakes. And right. that maybe that's why he got to finish so quickly. But you did, you don't see those mistakes in the second round. What little we had of it, right? Um, so I think he is fixing that. What? I think he has fixed it. He just has to actually put it into practice now. Who's he training with now? I don't remember. But I don't think he's with Travis Luter anymore. He's at Main Street, I think. Is he? I I, I know I, he had been. I think he had spent this camp over there. I think um, Bob Perez was in his corner. I think Bob Perez was the one telling him, like, hey, you need to chill out. You need to get in there and do the right thing. Really? And to uh, sum it up. Oh, let's go back and watch that check on that. Because I know he had been training with Colton England. Yeah. And so um, I, I think with uh, with Kevin Allen, we're finally seeing that maturity of what could be a great contender for the title. You know, he's a very big welterweight. And it's, I know it's a little early to say that, you know, for the title, but the thing is, he's really good. Like, yeah. he, he got close we, to breaking into the. He can do. He, we, he's gotten very close to breaking into the top five before and just at middleweight. And so I think a lot of that we're seeing is like his power is translating very well to um, to welterweight. And I know that it's uh, you, a different weight class and stuff, but like, whenever you see a guy drop down, most people don't really do that, like Joe Rogan had said to him. And to see that power translate to a weight class below, like he's losing mass and he's able to go down there and, you know, still be crisp. He landed, a, was a, I want to say it was a left hand. Or I know for sure he landed a punch and then rocked him with it bad. And yeah, I'm looking at what it so was. So it was just an all-around fun fight, though. I'm excited to see what else. So one of the things that did throw me off, though, was how easily um, Oliveira was able to get those sweeps in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we know that Holland needs to work on his ground game. Yeah. We know that he needs to work on some takedown defense. Um, you go from having to go against wrestlers who like Vittori and all those guys that he dealt with, yeah. um, Derek Brunson, to trickier guys like Cowboy right. Oliveira. Um, it's just a different game. They're a little quicker, so those yeah. m- little movements to reach their foot outs, they're a little quicker. So 
just that, give them some time. It, it, I think he'll figure it out. And that's what one of the commentators had mentioned is one of the things that Holland's going to have to adjust to is the speed of the guys at Walter yeah. White. It's not massive, but it's yeah. just enough for the little movements to always yeah. catch you off guard. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, so that's something that I think he's also going to adjust to, but he's going to adjust to very well. And I'm excited to see what happens with that. So on to Thug Nasty. Yeah. Bryce Mitchell putting on a like I mean this is probably had to be the, his best performance of his career be, for sure beating uh, Edson Barboza by decision and beat the crap out of him yeah, yeah. Um, what impressed me the most was that he was not just willing to stand with Barboza but looked yeah. good yeah. when he did it uh, because my main thing was like oh we're going to have to worry about him getting starched by one of Barboza's wild strikes um, but he took him he took a lot of leg kicks that, you know, he he did well with taking the pressure off his leg and letting it roll with the power. Um, but he did take a lot of those leg kicks. He took a lot of body kicks as well. Um, but he threw some of his own. And he even dropped Barboza. put him in a chair he, with a one-two, I think. He it landed. Pretty, it was that straight left right down the middle. Caught and, him with it. And he, he put him down with it. And then he immediately took him down. My issue with the whole fight is that I want a little bit more from Barboza just so that Mitchell doesn't have to deal with any doubt. Yeah. Uh, because Barboza's plan was clearly hold on to him. Let's get stood up so I can get the finish. But he had no sense of urgency at all. Yeah. Like he Even threw up for a triangle. You remember that? Yeah. In the third round. And I was like, Oh crap. Like he actually might get that, but then he did not And uh, of course he did. Cause Bryce Mitchell's just, you know, he's like nasty. So picked him up, dude. Um, so I was, I was excited for Bryce Mitchell in that fight. I'm a fan of Edson Barboza, but to see Bryce Mitchell finally, he's now he's in the top 10. I think he's ranked number yeah. nine now. Uh, there's plenty of fights for him to be made there. Um, I mean, there's guys like Giga Chikadze is on the way up. You know, you have um, Dan Ige. I think he has a fight booked right now, though. And um, you also have Josh Emmett. You know, uh, yeah, that's all. one that people were talking about yeah. is Mitchell and Emmett. And yeah. I li- again, that's one of those fights where I'm like, uh, careful, Mitchell. But yeah. um, Emmett... And him match up pretty well. They and do. Where they're at in their career, where they, uh, their styles, I think, would be fun, just like right. with Barboza and Mitchell. Um, I think that's a good fight. I kind of hope that that's the one that gets It me. makes sense because it's yeah. like, okay, who really wants to start breaking into the top five? Yeah. And I think with Bryce Mitchell, because he's had a long layoff, that's the perfect fight for him to be like, I just took out a, um, you know, a top 10 contender, so now I'm breaking into the top five. So um, that's the main thing is getting closer to that title, and I'm excited to see what Bryce Mitchell can do with that. And so on to the main event, we had uh, – sorry, what the hell? Co-main um, event. Co-main event. Uh, we had Rafael. It was a five-rounder. It was a five-rounder. That's what messed me up. And we had uh, RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, taking on uh, Hanato Moicano and beating him in a very one-sided five-round fight. Um, this is a fight I actually missed a majority of because I was at work when these fights were happening. So I, I actually had to go to work and not watch the fight. And so it sucked. But, I mean, luckily, like, you had kept me up to date on everything, yeah. everything that was going on. And from what Zach was kind of telling me, is a very one-sided fight. Like, um, RDA beat the shit out of him that whole fight. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Moicano just, you know, that's one of the downfalls and the cons of taking a fight on short notice. Like, yeah, you look good. You look cool. Everybody, you, you earn respect. And he definitely did that. But you, he went out there and he just wasn't ready to fight someone like RDA, someone who can grind you down. Uh, and RDA has done that for his entire career. Grind He's, people down. He's so good at it. So... Yeah. He went out there and he did exactly that against Moicano. And Moicano had his moments where he looked like he could start fighting back, but then he just got taken down and it was right back to being exhausted. 
and that's what I, so I caught the first round and I, I kind of figured that was the story of the fight because Moicano seemed like he was going to start getting he's starting to get comfortable with the exchanges they were having and the second that it happened RDA took him down with ease yeah, and, all um, of the damage was from ground and pound yeah all those cuts the eye, the swelling on the eye everything yeah. was from ground and pound elbows they were dirty right and what sucks about this also is you know Moicano was talking about he wants more money this and that and understandably so he's fought the best of the best I mean look at his losses he's lost to guys like Chen Sung Jung, uh, Jose Aldo, and just uh, Brian Ortega. And I'm missing one more loss. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. But, um, you know, with that, though, what the downside of that is, you know, he's he wants to start getting paid more, wants to be more active. But now you took this fight on, you know, a couple days' notice. And it's great that you did that. It shows that you're here to fight and you actually want that because most guys wouldn't take that fight on just, like, less than a week's notice. But now you're medically suspended for six months. Now you're not getting paid. Now you have to go and rehabilitate your your health to get back to being able to train and being able to compete you know so i feel like it's such a risky thing but one of the points that i want to talk to you about that though was you know like when should corners throw in the towel like why you think it should be normalized more just in the sense that you know these these guys take these fights like this and it ends up just taking just time off their career or you know my thought is that these corners know their fighter better than anybody Uh, So if the fighter knows that he can continue, he's the only person who should be able to decide what happens to him in the cage other than the doctor. Right. I think the doctor needs to go in there, and if the fighter can still see with both his eyes, that shouldn't determine whether or not the fight continues. Right. Because what we saw with Moicano was, yes, he can still see with his eye, even though it's nearly swollen shut. Right. But he's just taking a beating, and he's not doing anything about it. I think the fight should have been stopped... Uh, because of that should have been ruled as a TKO because on the ground you just you had so many it's hard to say unanswered shots because Moicano was throwing from the bottom too but nothing was really phasing RDA and I think um, and I'm not putting that on the referee the referee was Mark Goddard he he did a really good job right but I think in between rounds if I'm the doctor I go out there and say hey and at one point Mark Goddard said hey I'm gonna give you 30 seconds in this next round and if you don't show me something if you don't show me a fight then i'm stopping it um and i think the doctor should start saying that too right the doctor should start going in there in between rounds and saying like hey if you don't pick it up get it together this round that's it because we can't see another round like that right so if if especially in a five round fight it's five rounds of that so by the third or fourth round after seeing him get beat every single round why put him through another five or ten minutes of it right uh, and that that'll also stop referees from being so heavily um, criticized yeah. for it. They get scrutinized you look at yeah, quick. With uh, Matinho and O'Malley. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm one of the people who critiqued it for cr- yeah. critiqued his decision. Um, but you'll see less of that if the doctors are allowed to go in there and say, "Hey, no, I, we gave you an extra round and you couldn't get it together, so no." Do you feel like it's kind of hard though for doctors because? Uh, in the sense that, hey, like they need to go because like they could be not even fans of the sport. They just think, okay, these guys are just you know a bunch of brawlers. Like they're just gonna go in there. Like they well, won't know when to stop the fight. They they don't need to be fans of the sport. They need to understand brain trauma because right. right now that's one of the biggest right. things going on with medical advancement is that we're learning so much about brain trauma and concussions. Um, obviously, the sport that's gonna happen. Right. So if someone gets a cut on their head or a swollen eye it doesn't necessarily mean the fight needs to be over but if you're going out there and getting your head smashed into the canvas 
for 10 minutes, two rounds, maybe even 15 minutes, right. three, three rounds, then maybe you should start consider, hey, you're not doing anything about it. You're This is taking years off your life. You need to stop. Well, I, the reason why I ask that, though, is I feel like sometimes they're, like these doctors don't understand what they're looking at. Because you look at Brian Ortega in the Volkanovski fight, like that fight should have got stopped after that round. It shouldn't have went on. Uh, Volkan, uh, Volkanovski uh, even pointed out that, and it was on camera, and it came out after the fight, you know, um, in front of the doctor, Herb Dean was like, how many fingers am I holding up? And he says, one. And then he walks away and says, two. Yeah. Like, he didn't even know what was going on. And then you look at, um, like, fights like that. It's like, man, like, what what's going on right here? You know, it's like, and we've seen doctors do good jobs, like, in the Nate Diaz versus Masvidal fight. Like, I thought that doctor did a good job by stopping that fight. And people that get mad about that, go back and watch that first round. You'll see that cut, and then you see it again at the end of the second round. And then it's uh, that cut. The, the cut man just did a good job of just keeping that skin his eyebrow in place from not flapping all over the place like it was in the in the um in the first round it's just a um it's just more so it's like i feel like if they're gonna if the athletic commissioner are gonna bring doctors in they need to make sure that these doctors understand what they're looking at you know because yeah. like they understand boxing because we've seen it like you've seen it in person with the last um with the last el tugier yeah. fight that we were at and so i mean doctors will step in and be like no there's that's it's enough you know because they don't want to see these these people getting beat right and so it's like the, the, so those doctors understand that but when it comes to MMA they don't understand stepping into that fight and calling off the fight you know like we've seen it for a couple when it comes down to somebody getting the shit beat out, beat out of them like you know like Mokino or Ortega like the, the, I don't it's where it gets kind of different but also with the referee though it's like I feel like I, Mark Goddard's a great referee he's my favorite referee I think he yeah. always makes like down the middle calls and like, like, cause I used to be a big fan of Herb Dean, but Herb Dean's been fucking up since like 2016, like realistically. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like they're like, a, Mark, Mark Goddard's also a former fighter, just like Herb Dean. But, um, you know, and he trains guys, like he understands, like we could keep this fight going or not. And it's, I wish referees would do what he did more is saying like, I need to see some more life value where I'm stopping this fight. you know, like we saw with the Raymond Daniels fight. Yeah. You know, I think that should be that should be normalized to let these guys know because like they're, they're fighters, man. They're gonna go out as on their shield if they have to. Yeah. Most they're not gonna quit. Ninety like percent of these guys, they're yeah. like, I'm well, I'm not a punk. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna fight. But like back into the uh, to the corner though, I feel like your corner should also look out for your best interest. They should. Right. But it, it's hard because you have some fighters like look at the Anderson Silva Chael fight. Yeah. Um. Anderson was getting his head pounded. Yeah. And there were several times where it looked like he may have been out. Right. And their corner was like, this is Anderson Silva. We know exactly who he is. He can yeah. handle this. And he went out there and he got the finish. I think, I think Anderson's a bad one to point out, though, because we all because he, he even said he's going to get him in a triangle and that's in the corner knew it. So, well, I'm, uh, I'm all I'm saying is the corner knows who their people are. They also understand that these guys are fighters. Like yeah. we we're saying, they're fighters. They're not going to want to quit. Right. If the corner quits, that's just it puts it such a damper on them. Um, if the fighter doesn't want to quit, it could really mess with the relationship between coach and fighter, um, and you don't want that. I th- I think it should be normalized more though, like throwing in the towel in the sense that like, like if I see my guy out there, like of course I'm not gonna stop the fight unless like like he's getting this shit beat out of him. Like Moicano's corner, they should have stopped the fight. You know, like being like, you know what, man? Like, look, like you're trying to have a career, you're trying to make a move right here at 155. Like, don't worry, we'll call, we'll just, it is what it is. We'll get you back in the gym. You'll be healthy. You'll be back in the gym within a couple of weeks, and we can get this fight back because you took this fight on five days' notice. You know, like another one is like, I'm not sure of the coach's name, but I know he trains Anthony Smith and Alex Hernandez. I'm not a big fan of him. 
just because of the fact that I like we saw with Anthony Smith, he went out there and he got the shit beat out of him for of like fucking like three rounds against Glover Teixeira, you know. And then we see Anthony uh, Alex Hernandez go out there when he fought Moicano this last go around, and his coach couldn't even get him to focus. Obviously, he was still stung. He was he was stunned from what that first round happened because he got hit pretty hard. And so I feel like with stuff like that, like you have to recognize, like I can't send my guy back out there to keep getting beat up like this, you know. Like we've seen even the Diaz brothers, like uh, Nate Diaz when he fought Josh Thompson, like his coach threw in the towel in that fight. Thing is, the referee didn't see that because um, the referee didn't see because he's already going to stop the fight. And so I don't. I feel like um, it's like one of those things where it's like I understand you would be frustrated with your with your coach for throwing in the towel, but. You have to understand, like, they're going to make sure you can talk the same in a couple years. Like, they're looking out for your best interests. And I feel like coaches should also hold that responsibility to know, look, like, this guy's, I'm not trying to see this guy's fucking, this guy's handshake for the, uh, after he decides to retire. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, let us know your thoughts on what should be done about fighters going out there and getting hit too much. Um, <laughs> and should corners throw in towels? Should doctors be held responsible? For that decision um but yeah so now we'll talk about the he- the headliner yeah. the main event I-, I know that one went on a little longer than expected but i feel like that was more of like was on my mind with that yeah. one because like, it's an important topic yeah. i think a lot of people are talking about it right now uh so it's definitely an important topic so and it was also like more of a better topic to talk about than the main event in the sense yeah. that covington put on a fucking clinic against yeah. masvidal um i would like to have seen more from masvidal but i think um we kind of predicted this fight yeah. by talking about the fighters separately uh, throughout our past episodes. So when we've talked about Masvidal and then other times when we've talked about Covington, just their styles uh, kind of paved the way for that fight to be what it was. Um, and what we saw from Masvidal was, like we had said in the past, that he looks for these openings. He's so good at seeing openings. Yeah. Um, and whenever he sees that opening, he takes advantage of it and he jumps on you and he puts you out. The issue, though, is that what we've talked about with Covington is that he's a smart fighter and he doesn't give you any openings. No. And the second you think you have one, he takes you down and ruins it. Yeah. So, and I think we saw that for twenty for twenty five minutes. Yep. And on the feet, Covington looked good, and I don't think Masvidal expected him to be as good as he was. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Masvidal's had this problem about just thinking that he's just that much better at boxing with everybody. Yeah. That's why we saw him get caught against Usman. That's why we saw, like he did it in the Nate Diaz fight. He kind of showboated a little bit, and with this fight, it's like he's just letting Covington punch him because he knows that Covington doesn't really hit hard, you know. And so he's just like, but at one point, whenever your your head your head is bouncing around like a freaking pinball, it's like, all right, man, like put, pick your hands up, like you're losing the fight. Like I, I he talks about not he's like you know I couldn't really find my footing. Well, I mean, fuck, dude, like this guy has talked a bunch of shit, like. Yeah. Find your footing. Like, what? What? What else is more to yeah, find? If, you, if know? you can't find your footing, then just plant your feet and swing. Yeah. Because you know he's gonna take you down anyway. Yeah. And he was doing an okay job at stuffing the takedown, but the second he got his back, it was like Masvidal's whole demeanor of defending the takedown just went down. Yeah. You know, and that was the fight after that. Masvidal had a really good punch in the fourth round. It didn't jump on it, and a lot of people are kind of criticizing him for that, comparing it to the whole Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards thing. But I think Leon Edwards was way more hurt than Colby oh, yeah. Covington was in that for fight. For sure, Covington recuperated very fast. Yeah, and it's like I don't think it was bullshit either the way he recuperated because uh, Leon Edwards. I mean, even after the fight was over, he just he was still out of it. He didn't even realize. I think it took him all the way until they raised his hand for him to realize, like, oh shit, I just won the fight. I mean, he was also 
dead tired. Yeah, it was the fifth round. It was too. the end of the fifth round. For yeah. Colby, it's the like the middle of the fourth. Yeah. So and yeah. so, uh, it was just one of those. But like we saw, Masvidal was getting tagged up. I, I don't think he ever got stunned or wobbled. But still, I mean, at one point it was like I think Colby had him hurt. You yeah, but when he ha- especially when he had him up against the cage, it was just kind of teeing off on him. Yeah, and or led him to the cage. Yeah, and it's like it's one of those scenes where it's like with uh, with Masvidal, it's like this guy has talked a bunch of shit. Like he said things, he's brought your kids into this, and um, he's talked about you, brought your you know your personal life, you know, and your your past into this, and to go in there and just let this man just you know manhandle you for twenty five minutes and then talk shit to him after the fight, you just kind of look a little like ridiculous in my opinion. It does, though. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you know, what did you do? Like, you had plenty of time to prepare for this fight. You knew he was going to go in there it's and like wrestle what you. Ben Askren said. Yeah. Um, he was like, you wanted to hurt the guy. Well, you just had 25 minutes. Freaking do it. Yeah. And so, um, what did you think about Masvidal's tattoo? It was terrible. Yeah. Just as terrible as his performance. Yeah. Um, if he would have got that tattoo a couple years ago, probably would have been a little cooler. But No. Yeah. In no world is that tattoo <laughs> like, cool. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, man, uh, it's crazy to, like I told you the other day, it's, like, it's crazy to think that the guy who won the BMF title hasn't won a fight since. Yeah. Uh, it, did it go to his head? I, did uh, he go out there and does he think he can just knock anybody out now or what? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's like, um, I don't, I don't know, but I think, uh, Jorge Masvidal has a lot of things to really consider now if he wants to keep fighting uh welterweight contenders if he wants yeah. to just go I, I in my opinion i think he should just go for prize fights i think so too. uh just like make him make that money he's um he just he is now the third highest paid ufc fighter yeah. in ufc history in history you know which is a big deal so he signed a big ass contract Aaron so, Rodgers just signed a 200 million dollar four-year deal with the packers i saw that and now uh, he's the highest uh paid nfl athlete in history you see uh russell wilson got traded yeah to the broncos yep. Uh, sucks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back back to MMA. We can so we can talk about football. That was too, UFC two seventy two. Um, let us know your thoughts on that. Let us know your thoughts again on the throwing in the towel. Should the corner do it? Should the fighter do it? Should the doctor do it? Should the ref do it? Uh, we also have UFC two hundred three. You have something to say? What? Uh, what? One of the things that made me laugh was when he called out Dustin Poirier, and Dustin oh, Poirier yeah. tweeted back at him, "I like, want you fight a welterweight contender." It's like you know you just like shit on your boy right now, right? <laughs> like you just said your your friend isn't a welterweight contender, but um, I don't know. I just saw that. I don't. It is weird seeing the number one contender call out someone who's never had a welterweight fight. Right. I mean, who's well, Colby supposed to fight now, though? You know someone keep in fight, his division keep fighting to be the number one guy that can't beat the champion <laughs> like might as well hey, make some money off of it one. yeah i mean he's he's approaching the majority of the decision or the division right now so uh, yeah ufc well, yeah. 203 i mean ufc so, yeah. 203 has a ton of great fights um big names uh we're gonna start listening to some uh none of them are in any particular order uh but you have khalil roundtree fighting against carl roberson that one's very exciting uh, you have uh, Sadiq Yusuf and Alex Caceres fighting. That's very exciting because Sadiq Yusuf is on such a big rise and Caceres seems to finally figure out his career. Mm-hmm. You have J.J. Aldrich fighting Julian Robertson. I'm pretty excited for that one. Julian Robertson I've become a big fan of. Um, then you have Alex Pahea. He's taking on uh, Bruno Silva. Don't yep. know why my, my brain, brain just went blank. <laughs> Uh, Alex Pahea is fighting Bruno Silva, and I, I find that one particularly exciting because you have two knockout artists, yeah. one coming from a sh- strictly a stand-up-based sport, 
and then one from the mixed martial arts sports. So I'm thinking Bruno Silva is going to have the edge on that one. It's going to be a fun um, one for sure. And I know that that's not the popular opinion. But um, then we have fights like Drew Dober and Terrence McKinney, the old T-Rex. We just saw him fight. Yeah. You excited for that one? I am very excited for that fight. That is uh, a great lightweight. I always enjoy when lightweight, lightweights fight, but I'm a big fan of Drew Dober. Um, I mean, he has the drive and the want to be a top contender. He trains with great athletes. He trains with Justin Gaethje specifically. So he has somebody there to give him the mindset of what it's like to be the number one guy in the division, you know, besides the champion. And also you have Terrence McKinney who is going out and he's proving that he's just not a knockout artist. He also has submissions in his last fight. That's what exactly what he did couple weeks ago and i mean this is a fight that i i love i absolutely love this fight but i also hate it because one of these guys has to lose and one of these guys is going to have who their their hype and their stock is going to be brought down after this fight yeah and it's hard because drew dober is just always just knocking on the door to be the next guy you know to break into the top 10 break into the top five he's always just like a couple wins away from that and then you have Terrence McKinney, who I mean, is becoming a uh, very recognized name as a as a prospect. Who only two fights in the, the UFC. only two fights exactly. I mean, he has the fastest lightweight knockout in UFC history in his debut, and then now he has a submission in the second round. I believe it was right, and so I think it was first. For, it was the first. It was first yeah. round. It was, you know now he has a first round submission win. So he's showing how versatile he is. And uh, if you haven't seen Drew Dober fight before, if you're not familiar with the name, I definitely recommend going to watch his fight with Brad Rudell. That was one of his most recent fights. And those guys threw down, dude. And you saw Drew Dober actually, like, tag and hurt a guy who, uh, within Brad Rudell, who was also uh, Izzy Adesanya's uh, Muay Thai coach. And so I think that's interesting as well. Is like he's he's very well-touted when it comes to his stand-up. He's a wrestling base who has made that transition to make it an anti-wrestling style. In Terrence McKinney's game, he's down. He just wants to throw down, and he'll take the fight anywhere it goes. He's comfortable with it. You know? It's definitely an exciting matchup. Yeah. Uh, my main concern, because uh, as much as I, same as you, as much as I love Drew Dober, um, I'm also a big fan of Terrence McKinney. I want to see Terrence McKinney succeed, and I don't want to see that slowed down. Right. So my hope is that they go out there, and it's an exciting fight, but my hope is that it goes to at least the middle of the second round. Um, and I hope we see a good bit of action from both guys. Uh, and I'd like to see Terrence McKinney come out on top. But the issue is that Drew Dober is just so freaking tough. Um, I don't think that Terrence McKinney is going to be able to go out there and finish him right. real fast like he has with his other with these other guys. Um, so I think his key to the victory there is... If you really are a submission guy, if you can really be a very well-rounded fighter, go out there, piece up Drew Dober, and then take him down, grind him out in the second round, and try to get the finish there. Right. Um, but it's a very exciting fight. It's a very exciting matchup. That's two guys who, like you said, they're both game. They're both willing to throw down every time they step in there. Right. I mean, it's just it's fun to watch every single time. So on to... Um, the one I'm excited for. Yeah. That's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> Chris Moutinho and Guido Canetti. Uh, I, I've become such a big fan of Chris Moutinho with uh, little to no reason other than he's just a cool dude. Yeah. Um, I really want to see him get a few wins. Uh, and if he can go out there 
and have the same heart and the same durability that he had against uh, Sean O'Malley against Kennedy, which he's going to need because Kennedy's got some wild strikes. Uh, I think we're in for another fun fight is exactly as action-packed as his last fight. Yep, it's going to be a fun one, and hopefully it's also not as one-sided, but I don't That's think it's... my my hope. Yeah, the hard part is you can't look past Guido Canelli. Uh, Canetti, Canelli, fucking... Um, you can't look past Guido at all, man. He is a game fighter when it comes down to it. He'll bite on the mouthpiece and throw down with anybody, and he's willing to take the fight anywhere. We've seen him fight. The last fight I remember of his was when he fought Mono Martinez, another fighter we're a big fan yeah. of, and both those guys went at it, dude. And um, it was a very exciting fight. And so the thing is, though, is I know for sure Kennedy can bring the fight, and I know for sure that Matinho can withstand the fight. But will Matinho be able to make it an even fight? That's the biggest question for all of us. Um, I mean, it's been a little while since we've seen Matinho fight. He's been training hard. He's got. He's finally. I think he was at the UFC PI at one point, right? Yeah. And so, so. he's taking it very serious to become a better fighter. Because I mean, his fight with Sean O'Malley, man, made a fight. Made a fight fan for him out of everybody. Because you just saw the heart and the will of a of a fighter. You know, we hadn't seen something like that in a while because everybody's so technically sound. Like no one wants to brawl anymore. Yeah. Like this is a very like um you know early 2000 mid 2000s type fighter that we're seeing now in 2022 and it's exciting to see because it's almost nostalgic watching this guy fight and i know that it's like it's a very strong word to use for somebody who's only fought the ufc once but it's like he just wants to throw down you know yeah. he just wants to bang you know no. let, let him uh, bang bro yeah i i really do uh hope that we get to see him go out there and get a submission win though if i'm being honest because He's a jiu-jitsu coach. He's he's very known for his jiu-jitsu. Uh, he just likes to go in there and make it fun, though. So my hope is that we can see a green zombie win. And then that leads us to the main event. Uh, Tiago Santos will be taking on uh, Magomed Ankalaev. And I think that fight's very exciting. Uh, I think Ankalaev has, should be the favorite, I would imagine, uh, just because he tears through people. Yeah. And Tiago Santos has definitely slowed down a lot in recent years. Yeah. So I imagine that Uncle Live is going to be the favorite, and I agree. I don't see why he wouldn't be, you know? Either. Just um, one of those things where it's like one guy's been in the top for so long, they might yeah. be, have him the favorite. Right. And so it, it makes sense when you put it like that for sure. But it's one of those things where, like, with. Tiago Santos, since he's came back from his double knee reconstruction surgery, like he hasn't really looked like himself. You know, yeah. he came back and he's taken nothing but tough fights since he's been back. I mean, I know he does have one win against Johnny Walker, but then again, that's Johnny Walker. You know, in a fight that if before Tiago Santos had these knee surgeries, I think Tiago Santos would have knocked him out early. Very possible. Yeah. Um, um, Walker didn't win that fight. And yeah. I mean, it was just, and that was, it was kind of a lackluster fight also. I wanted more. I think, I think it was a lot of, um, Walker chasing down Tiago Santos with his wildness and it just wasn't working. Yeah. He just kept doing it. And so, um, with that, I just feel like with, um, Uncle I's style, like, I mean, I'm a big fan of this guy Yeah. and there's a lot of people in the division that do not want to fight this guy. Like he's, he's been avoided for a long time. It's been hard for people to finally want to actually take this guy on and um i mean we saw his both his fights with uh ian kutalaba one of them obviously was a really early stoppage and it was a terrible one the next one he solidified that no i would have knocked your ass out if we would have yeah. fought and for that fight I wouldn't have got stopped and so with that um i mean you have tiago santos who's just been very stiff lately like he's just having a lot of trouble really finding that footing 
And I think with Uncle Iov, like, he gives a lot of people, and besides Tiago Santos, an issue. I mean, because the thing is, like, you also don't want to grapple with them. You hear a name like that, you you know not to grapple with them. And so um, we've seen Tiago Santos get taken down, and he's been controlled by somebody like Lover Teixeira. And then we see him go in there. It's just, I don't see where Tiago Santos really wins this fight. And it sucks because I like Tiago Santos a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he's a great fighter, but we're seeing that um, since his injury, since his uh, comeback from his injuries, like, he just hasn't been able to bounce back. And it's hard to see to when you see an exciting fighter like that and not really be able to do that, you know? And it could very well be the sport just passing him up. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he was out for a while with those injuries. and. Mm-hmm. Since, like you said, since then he hasn't looked the same, so it could just be the level of competition that he left off with is just not the same when he when he did leave. So yeah. now he can't keep up. Because he kind of got he, he. I won't say he got fast tracked to the title. I don't think that at all. But he'd been fighting for a while. Yeah, he'd been fighting for a while. Weight classes. Yeah, but when he got to two hundred five, though, when you look at who he beat to get there, I mean, yeah, he did beat a former champion, Jan Blakovich. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like that was the, his hardest test besides that. Like the other guys he was beating, he beat Jacare Souza, who decided to go up to 205 and try it out. And so I just, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for this fight. I'm excited for Uncle Iov. Um, I'm not excited for Tiago Santos cause I'm just like, I don't see how he wins the fight. <laughs> so I just don't like to see a fighter. I like a lot, probably get the shit beat out of him. And I think that's what's going to happen yeah. in all honesty. Well, give us your thoughts on UF, the UFC. UFC Fight Night 203. Uh, It's going to be a good one. Don't miss it.